Today's daf is daf Chav Dalid, page 24 in the Hilgah Masechah's Kedushin. And we got up to the very bottom line of Chav Gimel Amad Beis. Very bottom line. Okay. Now, we're coming off of a machoikas about whether or not a servant could redeem himself with his own money. The Chachamim said yes, and Rebeir said no. Okay? According to the Chachamim, he could redeem himself with his own money. According to Rebeir, he cannot redeem himself with his own money. So Gabor now points out, this is going to come out to be a contradiction in the opinions of Rebeir and the opinion of the Chachamim. How so? So here we go. The Rami de Rebeir ad Rebeir, the Rami de Rabbanon ad Rabbanon, is going to come out to be a contradiction both in the opinion of Rebbe Meir and in the opinion of the Rabbanon. Again, the Rabbanon hold you could use, the Meir said you can't. Now let's get into this. Top of today's daf. A woman cannot redeem Meir Sheni without adding a Chaymish. Okay? So the halacha is that somebody takes um, Truma, somebody takes Meir, plus they would separate something called Meir Sheni, in the second, fourth, and fifth year of a Shemitah cycle, the other years you're going to take Meiser Ani. Okay. Now, when you redeem Meiser Sheni, so very often they didn't want to bring the food straight to Yerushalayim. Meiser Sheni needs to be eaten, eaten in Yerushalayim. If you're not going to bring the food to Yerushalayim, they would redeem it onto money. Okay. Now, the when you're redeeming it by yourself, you're going to add a fifth though. So let's say you're going to do $100 of Meiser Sheni. You're going to have to, when you go to your Shalayim, you're going to have to add a fifth. You're going to add 120, but you're not going to have $120 of Maisha Shani. However, it says this Brisa that a woman does not add a fifth. If a woman redeems the Kedusha, she does not add a fifth. A woman redeems Maisha Shani without adding a fifth. So again, Tanakama says a woman does not redeem Meister Shani without adding a fifth, so which means you would add a fifth. Rav Meir says you are not going to add a fifth. Okay, now let's just talk for a minute. Why would you or wouldn't you add a fifth when you redeem Meister Shani? Why would you? What, what determines this? So in order to do this, let's step outside of the Gemara for a moment. We're going to have to go to the Psukim in the Torah. Okay, so the Pesuk in the Torah says like this. Im go'ol, I'm just going to quote the Pasuk outside. Im, Im go'ol yigal, if somebody is going to redeem the Meiser Sheni, ish mima'asroi, from his Meiser. Im go'ol yigal ish mima'asroi. When I redeem my own Meiser, then the Pasuk says, you are going to add chamishisai yosef Allah. You're going to add the fifth onto it. Only when you do yourself. When you don't redeem your own Meiser, there's no adding of a fifth. So, if I hold that a woman does redeem with an, ad, with an addition of a fifth, if I hold a woman does redeem with the addition of a fifth, that's saying that she owns things. If I say that she does not add a fifth, that means she's always doing it for her husband. Okay? Hey, Chidami, what is the circumstances around this Bryce? Elema, if you're gonna say Bizuze Debal. Umaiser Debal, she is 
redeeming it with her husband's money, and it's her husband's miser. So she's acting as a shliach of the Baal. So, if you ask me to redeem your miser, you say, listen, I got a hundred dollars of miser, Shani, that has to go to Yerushalayim, can you redeem it for me? The answer is, yeah, and I need to add a fifth, because I'm acting as your agent. Everybody's going to agree to that. I, you told me to do it. So I need to add a fifth, the same way you would need to add the extra $20 onto the onto the hundred bucks. So there's no conversation here if it's his money and his miser. Ella, rather, what's the case of the Bryson need to be? It's her money. It's her money that is redeeming his holy miser. And there we're going to say, if she redeems it, according to the Tanakama, you must add a fifth. According to the mayor, you don't. Says Gemara, also, we have a problem. See, here's a problem. A woman is not allowed to redeem her husband's miser. Now, if she's not allowed to redeem her husband's miser, guess what? It's not redeemed. And if it's not redeemed, of course she doesn't add a fifth. So we're saying that he has miser to be redeemed. Yep. And she says, oh, I'm going to Yushalayim. I'll redeem it with my own money. I'll redeem it for you. Yep. So that means he has to add a fifth. Correct, because she's working as a shliach for him. Let's say she says, I'll use my money to redeem your miser. Says the Gemara, that doesn't work at all. Because it says, ish, when a man redeems it, which seems to imply a woman does not redeem miser sheni at all. And if she were to do it, it's not even redeemed. What if she had, if she had her own? Let's see. Let's see, good. Ella rather. Lav, Ella lav, rather it must be. Ki hai gavna. It's got to be, the case is Brysa, is the following case. The Akni la acher mana. Somebody else gave over to her a mana, call it a hundred dollars worth of produce. The Yamar law, and he says to her, Almanas shatifti bai es hamaiser. I'm giving this to you on condition that you redeem your husband's miser. So now, She's acting as a shliach for somebody who's not the owner. It's interesting, right? She's acting as a shliach, as a messenger, for someone who's not the owner. So that other guy, if he were to do it himself, does not need to add a fifth. But she is doing it on behalf of her husband. It's her husband's stuff. So how do we view this? How do we, how do we look at this? So over here... That's where the, the Machlaikas comes in, where the Tanakhama is going to say she must add a fifth, okay? because she's redeeming the Maeser Sheni, um, the Maeser, she's redeeming her husband's Maeser Sheni. Um, and Rav Shimon ben Elazar is going to be saying in the name of Rav Meir that you could keep the condition of the owner. okay? And therefore, the woman does not add a fifth. But now here is the question. What does that mean to keep the condition of the guy said to her, I'm giving you this item, on this $100, on condition you use it to redeem your husband's Maeser Shani. Says, since she's using it just limited to the condition of the other guy, she would not need to add a fifth. Okay? Because it's considered here like she's using her own money. So, but it's outside money. It's outside money that's redeeming Maeser Shani. Okay? So now here's the problem. 
According to Rav Meir, we view it to be outside money. According to Chachamim, we view it to be inside money, and it's if the husband did it. The problem is, ask the Gemara three important words. Just before we said that Rav Meir is of the opinion we do not follow outside stipulations, and the Chacham are of the opinion we do allow outside stipulations. So we have a walking, talking contradiction, both in what Rav Meir holds, when there's an outside condition, do we ignore it or do we follow it? Same thing with the Chachamim. So which the Gemara says, you're right, we're stuck. <laughs> we have a contradiction in their opinions, and therefore Amr Abayi, Abayi says, Epoch, you got to switch around the opinion of the Brisa. Now, which opinion do we switch around? This is never a great answer. This is what we call, you wiggled out of it. You're not giving me a great answer, but you're going to wiggle out. Which one do we switch around? That's a machlekes amongst the Rishonim. To say whether we're switching around the Brisa from yesterday or the Brisa of today. But that's going to be Abai's approach. Abai says, you know, we're stuck. So we're obviously getting something wrong here. We're obviously misquoting. And, we're, and we're, we have to switch around the Brisa. Rava Amar, but Rava says no. We have another way to answer up this apparent contradiction. We don't need to start saying that we got the opinions wrong. And here, let me explain, says Rava, we're dealing with Miser that came as an inheritance to the wife. Now, who cares if it came as an inheritance to the wife? What happens? The wife owns it. It's hers. It's completely hers. All the husband has on this land is the ability to gain from the produce, like Nechseim Alok. But it's completely hers that she inherited, okay? Now, here's the deal. Get ready for this. She inherited property that's obligated or produce, that's obligated to Meisr Shani, and Meisr Shani was never taken yet. Her dad passed away before separating Meisr Shani. So all the responsibilities of tithing are now going to fall to her. So now we have a situation where it's hers, she's married, but a woman can't separate my Shani, according to what we said before. So let's get into this. Rav Meir Letamei, is of the opinion that my Shani is considered Mumen Hektish, which means that if you have something set aside as Meiser, you don't own it. This belongs to the Rebbein It belongs to the Beis HaMikdash. Aye! But you can eat it. Yeah. Rebbein says, it's mine. Eat it in Yerushalayim, but it's not even yours. The like Kanile Baal, and therefore the husband never acquired the Maeser Shani. The husband only gets access to what she owns. But if the land, the produce, fell to her with a pre existing Maeser Shani obligation, so she never owned it. She's just responsible to eat it in Yerushalayim. It never becomes hers, it never becomes the husband's. That's Rav Meir's approach and how. Meiser works. For Rabban Latamaya, the Rabban are consistent with their own reasoning. The Amri Mammon had you too. They say that uh, uh, the value of Meiser Shani is considered the owner's, but you're just Mechuyev to eat in Yerushalayim. It's yours. They say Meiser Shani is not the Rabban Shalom's. It's yours, like anything else. But there's a responsibility, there's a mitzvah. To go to Yerushalayim to eat it. And therefore, since it goes to her, it goes to the husband as well. And since it goes to... It's considered like she's acting as a shliach of the the husband and she's obligated to add a fifth. Okay, beautiful. 
So that's the Rav's Gishmaka way of wiggling out of any apparent contradiction. Basically, what we're saying is not a contradiction because over here, we're done with Maishr Shani, but Maishr Shani has its own parameters around its halacha. What's Gishmaka about it? What's Gishmaka about this? Yeah. Everybody's consistent. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, Whether or not the conditions yeah. apply. Abayi's answer is switch around opinions. Nobody's consistent here. He's uh, getting something that. Um, Rav is showing how each opinion, well, it's Kishmak, is Rav is showing how Rav Meir, instead of being a contradiction, is consistent, has perfect symmetry with the other areas of Hilchas Meister Shani. So he's just following his, well, what he holds. He holds Meister Shani belongs to Gavaya. And since it belongs to Gavaya, this makes a lot of sense why nobody's uh, redeeming, she's not redeeming her husband's property. So there's no Chiv to add a fifth. Yeah, Rav Meir holds it is. This is, this is Meridik. It's Meridik. Okay, here we go. New sugya. Tana we learned in the brayso yaitzei b'shein va'ayim v'roshei barim sheinam chayzrin. A non-Jewish servant goes free if his master knocks out a tooth, knocks out an eye, or any limb that does not grow back. Okay, shein va'ayim right. The fairish apostle. And say for Shmais, when somebody hits his servant and he knocks out his eye, the halacha is the servant goes free. I know that he goes out with shame va'ayin. If you knock out a tooth or an eye, that's explicitly in the verse in the Torah. Let's say you say, oh, it applies to any limb that doesn't grow back. It does not say that in the Torah. All it says in the Torah is v'chiyake ish esein avdai oy esein avdai. Iyer, Iyer tooth. How do I know everything else? Where are you coming from? Very basic question. Says the Gemara. We know it from logic. I'm going to compare other body limbs to the tooth and the eye. Just like the, the tooth and the eye. They're noticeable blemishes. You can notice when somebody loses their teeth. You can notice when somebody doesn't have an eye. And these are limbs that don't grow back. So we're going to use those two, those two mentions to apply to any other limb. No, you're right. It's not explicitly in the Torah, but we're going to say why should these other things be any different? Says the Gemara, the Ema, but maybe say when you have the tooth and the eye, they are snake suba You have two different mentions of limbs that do not grow back and are noticeable. And the rule is, as we learned prior, around Shas, every time you have two psukim teaching me one halacha, you cannot learn out anything further from it. Let's pause and explain this foundational important rule. And that's like this. There are times where you can learn things out from either a mehatzad, which means similar sides, or a binyan av. Binyan av means we'll build off of something. If the Torah says a halacha and mentions something, we'll assume that anything similar to that thing should have the same halacha, okay? You build off of that mention. Sensible? If the Torah gives an example, very often it doesn't mean specific to this. It could just be an example. If the Torah ever gives two examples, that means you cannot extend it at all. Why? 
Here we go. Because if I wanted to extend it, I could have just given one example. I could have mentioned one. Why are you mentioning two? The fact that I'm mentioning two is to teach me it's these two specific places and don't learn up anywhere else. Okay? So the rule's like this. If the Torah would list one, I can extend it to other things similar. If the Torah lists two, I'll say, of course you can't. Otherwise, the Torah would have just given me one and I would have already known the second one. Why explicitly mentioning the second one? It must be I'm limited to these two unique cases. So here we go. Ask the Gemara like this. Let's catch up this over. It says in the Torah, if a master knocks out the tooth of his servant or the eye of his servant, the servant goes free. Says the Gemara. Well, other limbs too. Says the Gemara. How do you know other limbs? Well, it's similar to the Shane Vayan. Ask the Gemara. Well, then you should have just said Shane. Tell me if his tooth gets knocked out, he goes free. And I'll think, hey, what's unique about the tooth? Doesn't grow back. Noticeable. And I don't even need to mention eye. Or mention eye and don't mention tooth. From the fact that Torah mentions both is a proof that I should not be able to extend it to other limbs. That's the question. The fact that there's two should tell me to not learn out other limbs. Clear? Mm-hmm. Says the Gemara wrong. I'll tell you why. Because, let's give a quick preface. The only time I say when both are listed... I'm limited to these two, is if it was unnecessary to list the second one. If the Torah could have just listed chain, or it could have just listed iron, tooth, or eye, then we could say, well, why are you listing another one? But if you're, if you're going to come now and give me a specific reason why I need both listed, so now I can actually expand to other places. Okay? So here we go. Tricha. Says the Gemara, I need both listing of the shame, the tooth, and the eye. Why? Because of Rahman Hashem, if the Torah would have only listed that an Eved Kanani, a servant goes out with the loss of a tooth. Havamina, I would have thought, Afilu Shane de Cholov, I would have thought even the tooth of milk. Okay, what's the tooth of milk? Can you guess? Ready? An infant, baby teeth. Baby teeth. Baby nurses. So I would think if you knock out a baby tooth of your Evan Kanani, goes free. Right? You could have a, a, a minor, uh, a five-year-old Evan Kanani. So I would think if you knock that out, it automatically goes free. So therefore, Kosov Rachman Ayin. The Torah also has to write another example of an eye to tell me, no, 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 you don't go free by a baby tooth. You know why? Because the tooth is going to grow again. Or you'll have another tooth take its place. So the halacha actually is that if you knock out the tooth of a baby Eved, the Eved does not go free. Because of Rahman Ayin, and if the Torah would have just given me an example of if you knock out the eye, you, the Eved goes free. Havamina, I would have thought to say, Ma Ayin Shenever Imai, and every human, not every human, nature is that humans are born with eyeballs. So I would think if you get, if you, the reason why an Evakani goes out with an eye is because the eye's been with him his whole life. I would say teeth, babies aren't born with teeth. Yeah? So I would say, if you knock out a, if the Torah would have told me explicitly, it never goes out with a tooth, that you don't go out. Therefore, therefore, the Torah has to list shame 
and list ayin. Now pause for a minute. So now that I know the reason why the Torah listed both, I can extend that and say any other limb that is noticeable and doesn't grow back, they'll go free with. Oh, but you listed Shane Vayan. No, no, no. Shane Vayan really are two examples coming together to teach me one halacha. I need both to teach me that in order to go out, it has to be non-growback, noticeable. Now that it's going to use one halacha, I can expand that halacha. And therefore, if a, if, a, if a master were to even accidentally cut off the finger of his evad, halacha is the evad will go free. Okay. Says the Gemara of Klal. Maybe when it says when you hit your Eved, that is a cloud, that is an inclusive term. Yeah, that your Eved's going to go out any, if you hit him. Yeah, you slap him on the back. Chiyake, when you hit your Eved, you go free. Shane Va'ayin Prad. Then it says, no, 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 not if you slap him on the back. Give him a high five. You know what it means? Shane Va'ayin, only if you knock out his tooth and eye. That's more specific. Klalu Prat. What's the rule when you have a general expression? And a more specific expression, the general expression only includes that which is in the specific, which means, which I would learn out, if I'm going to darshan that way, it means only the tooth and the eye and not other limbs. Says the Gemara, other limbs you should not go out. Says the Gemara, no. Because you can't just stop over there, it's like the middle of the puzzle. You have a general term, a specific term, but says the Gemara, you'll have another general term where it says, if you strike your Ebed, that's general. Shein va'ayin, a tooth and the eye falls out, that's specific. But then it says, you should send them out free. That's a general term. Whoever we were just referring to gets sent away. Klalu pradu klaus. We have a general, specific, and general. You always look at that which is specific and learn out from there. Now what's specific? Shein and ayin, tooth and eye. Just like the tooth and the eye come together. Teach me that it's noticeable and it doesn't go back. And therefore we're back to learning out other limbs. That the Eved would go free. Okay. Says the Gemara. Continuing on this theme of how to darshan up the Psukim. If you're going to say. That what's unique about the tooth and the eye? Noticeable, doesn't go back. And we're adding in something else over here, and that is it could cause a loss of work. Okay? Cause a loss of work. Now, in what way does it cause a loss of work? So Rashi explains very clearly and basically, if you have one eye, it's much more difficult to work. If you don't have a tooth, it's more difficult to eat. You're chewing. It's, it's, it, 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 you know, that, that all... Um, uh, gets in the way of his ability to function and therefore I would say I would say that you also need an additional factor not just that it doesn't grow back and is noticeable maybe in order for it to be a factor to set the Evet free it has to be that it gets in the way of his functionality but why did we learn in Ebrisa Let's say the master pulls out the beard or, or uh, moves the, the, his jawbone, which, according to whatever's happening in these circumstances, is not going to affect his work, is not going to grow back, it's not going to be noticeable, 
The bride says, he does go free. Why is he going free? It's not affecting his work. Says the Gemara, Lachavshi Yishachenu Reboyhu. Lachavshi Yishachenu is a reboy. It's, it's expanding as opposed to a general term. There's a difference between a general term and an expansion of a term, which we explain. V Reboyhu, if it's an expansion, okay, so we're, we're extending it to other things. Afilu Hikal Nami. So let me ask you a question, says the Gemara. Let's say the master slaps him on the back a little too hard. Let's say he gives him a high five a little too hard, and now, ooh, his hand's hurting. He mamish, it's affecting his work. He's got a hurt wrist, but it'll heal. It'll heal. Yeah. Allah Matanya, why does the Bible say, He doesn't go free. See, if it's a reboy, he should go free with these things, but we know that Allah is you don't. Says the says the Gemara, still. It has to be that the Shein Va'ayin are the overriding factor. The fact that we're listing a tooth and an eye means that we're uh, excluding. Why am I mentioning a tooth and an eye? I'm excluding something that, I, that has temporary loss of functionality. Tem- you're right. I would have darshan temporary loss of functionality goes out. But since it says Shein Va'ayin, I'm going to look back at the main words of the Pasuk. Before all the drushes start up, I say, but the Torah says, the loss of a tooth and an eye. And those things are in your face, permanent. And since those things are in your face, permanent, you can't start making drushes about, oh, uh, temporary loss because of the, the drushes. No. Shane Vayan, permanent, 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 go free. Temporary. No, you hurt your wrist for a couple weeks. That's, uh, that it's not going to go free. But okay. The, so, okay. So he's yeah. Saying, so he's saying Shane. Period. Okay. Brand new sugya. New sugya. All right. New topic here. Says the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanon. The rabbis learn so. Shall we? Bekulon ever Yisrael lecherus. In all these situations, what situations? If let's say he gets damaged by the master, he loses his tooth, he loses an eye, he loses a limb, he's gonna go free. Now here we go. Here's the new sugya. You ready? This is going to be our focus now. Vitzarich get shichur. You do, however, need a document stating your freedom. What happens is when the master hurts the eved, knocks out his tooth, the tyra now he, the, the eved's not free until the master writes him a document of freedom, which he has an obligation to do. But it's the, it's the document of freedom that's freeing him. It's the document of freedom. He has to give him a star shikhr, document of freedom. Okay? Divrei Rabbi Shimon, this is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. You need a star shikhr. Rav Meir, Rav Meir says, no, you do not. Rabbi Leazar, Aymer, Tzarech, yes, he does. Rabbi Tarfan, Aymer, Tzarech, no, he does not. Rabbi Kiva Omer Tzarech. Rabbi Kiva says he certainly does need a document. Okay. Hamachriyan of Nechachamayim. Those who would paskin Shilas in front of the Chachamim would say, Nirin Divi Rabbi B'Shem Vayin. It seems when the master knocks out the tooth or the eye, you do not need a document of freedom. You know why? Here's the yes, Yohonah. Ready for this? Says the Gemara, very basic. Shahatayra Zachsalayim. The Torah 
When the Torah says, if a master knocks out the tooth or the eye of the Eved, guess what's happening? As soon as that tooth gets knocked out, the Eved has a verse in the Torah telling him he's free. I don't care if the master gives him a document. You know where his document is? In the Sefer Torah. And if anybody ever wants to challenge his freedom and say, you're not really Jewish now. You can't marry a Jewish woman. You're not a member of Klal Yisrael. Show me proof that you've been freed from your Ebed Kanani ship. Only thing is, he had to prove that. Okay, fine. Very good. So Yale's saying, so you're going to have to come up with a proof if you're not going to have a document. But the actual freedom... No, he had to prove that he, he lost... That it his, happened. That, that Ab- he lost his tooth and lost his eye. Through the master. Through the master. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, but that's, that's not what's freeing him. That's why he needs the... But, the but is it the document freeing him or is the document proving his freedom? The document is the admission of Beautiful. Bars. That's Reb Tarfin. Reb Tarfin says you're naturally free. Naturally free means that in, in halacha you're out. As soon as you're blinded, the evidence blinded in his eye, his tooth gets knocked out, I get in tug. He's done with the master. Why? Tyra said, I'm out of here. Got nothing to do with this. The Dibri Rabbi Akiva Bishari Var. However, they agree with Rabbi Akiva by the other tips of the limbs. Hayol uknas chacham, who this is since this is a knas of the chacham. Very interesting. Hear this? It says Natari explicitly, tooth and eye. Evan's tooth and eye get knocked out. He could point to the Torah. I'm automatically free. What happens, however, if the finger gets cut off by the master? So that's learned out through a drasha of the Chachamim. And there, says Rabbi Akiva, and the Psach Halacha, you will need a letter of freedom. The owner is obligated to free you, but you need a star shechur. Why? Because it's just a fine that the sages put on the master. Says the Gemara, fine, where, where this word, it's a knas, it's a fine, whoa, whoa, where, 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 one second. You just threw a word at me, Dunler. What are you talking about? A fine? He knocked it out. Says the Gemara, knas who? They're knasing the master for, knocking, for the guy's finger being cut off. Kari vodarshinan, it's a pusik in the Torah. Yeah, it's a drusha that we made from the psukim. It's not a fine. Yeah, we're not knasing the guy. Says Gemara, Ella hayul Since you're right, it's not do the knas. Since it's a drusha of the chachamim, so you need the document of freedom. Okay. Now, says the Gemara, my time with Rabbi Shimon. What is the reason for Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Shimon says that in every situation, an eved needs a document of freedom, even by the tooth and the eye. Rabbi Shimon argued on our halacha. Right? We just paskin. We just ruled. If it's the tooth and the eye, he could point to the sefer Torah, and he doesn't need a letter of freedom. Rabbi Shimon says he does. Okay. Why? Says the Gemara, Yalef Shiluach Shiluach Me'isha. Because remember again, the laws of an Eved, a servant going free, are compared to the laws of a woman going free. Ma'isha Bishtar, just like a woman when she leaves her marriage, always needs a document. Again, unless it's the death of the husband. But if the husband's around, she needs a document. Sa'af Eved Nami Bishtar. An Eved also is always going to need a document. Okay, so that's Reb Shimon. But Reb is going to say, if it would have written that he goes free at the end, then then Reb Shimon, you would be right. Okay, it says he's going to go free. Okay, if it would say, 
he gets sent away, Chavshi, for freedom. So then the Torah is going to be giving off the implication that you're like a woman, yeah, like a divorce. However, Hashta Dixiv, La Chavshi, to freedom, Yishal Chenu, the Ebed is sent away. So listen to the words. Free first, and then get sent away. Which means the Ebed was already free. Letting me know when it comes to the the Shein uh, Bayan, as soon as it happens, you're free. Yishalchenu, Yishalchenu means you're sent away like a woman. Yeah, yeah, you're already free though. You're already free, you're already free. I don't need the document to make you do free. I might need the document like Rabiel said, on your behalf, just to prove what happened. To state the obvious. Yeah? Well, it's or, not the obvious. I mean, state, guy, I mean if he's blind, it's the obvious. A guy could... He poke his eye. And, and, right. And, and I'm saying obvious. It's noticeable. He says, he says, oh, my master did, master this did it to me. Yeah. I'm out. You need Adam. Right. You need Adam. Right. Right. What I mean by obvious is noticeable. Right. That is, is the eyes noticeable. So you got But you're right. In a Hanami. In a Hanami. Rabiel's pointing out that there has to be some sort of system in place to ensure people aren't taking advantage of, yeah. the, uh, of the process. Okay. Good. But that's the underlying background dispute between Rav Meir and Rav Shimon. Again, when the Torah says that a servant goes free when his eye is knocked out or his tooth is knocked out, does he need a letter of freedom? So we initially paskined for a tooth and an eye, no. For other things, yes. Then we got into the machaikas of why. Rav Shimon says you always need it because it's like a get. A get, you need a document. Rav Meir says no, because you're already free when you're sent away. Okay. The rabbis learned, and that's why they're rabbis. Let's say the master struck him on the eye, and now he's blind. If the master strikes him on his ear, and now he's suffering from hearing loss. And Eved will go free if a master does this to him. Any questions on this? I think pretty straightforward. Okay. I, we have the addition of the ear here. Okay. But the ear, by the way, is one of is considered like a, the end of a limb. So that's like we gave an example of a finger. Here it's giving an ear. But I don't think we have any questions on this yet. But let's keep going with the Brisa. Here's where it gets a Chiddush. Neged enoi Let's say the master strikes him near his eye. And now... What's the proper word for like when you damage one thing and then it extends? It's not collateral damage. It's, uh, it's you know, you grumma, you caused, you caused the eyesight to be gone without directly hitting the eye. Okay? Or, you hit him near the ear and now he can't hear anymore. He has suffered from hearing loss. He's not going to go free. Okay? That's the Bryson. You have to hit the eye, hit the ear. You have to hit the limb. If you don't hit the limb and you just caused, yeah? Re- referral. Referral? Referral. Okay. You hit it refers over. It over. Expands over. Okay. Rav Shemin says to Rav Ashi, do you mean to say, yeah? That if somebody shouts loudly, in somebody's ear and causes hearing loss, that it's not considered direct damage? Really? 
Vahatani Rami Bari Cheskel, but Rami Cheskel taught us Tarnigol. If you have a rooster, Shaisha Raisha Lavir, please Chuchis, that sticks his head into a crystal vase, we'll call it. The Takabai, and then it goes, it made a loud noise in the crystal vase. The Ushvarai, and he broke the vase. The Allah is Mishalim Nezek Shalim. The owner of the chicken has to pay complete damage. Okay? Now, when do you pay complete damage? When your animal directly damages in a normal way. You have a horse that, that uh, uh, you know, uh, what does a horse say? Nay, uh, yeah. Or a chamar shenar. Or you have a donkey. And it's so loud that it, it, uh, the vibrations broke vessels inside the house. You need to pay for half damage. Okay. Bottom line is, why you're, you're paying, Bezin doesn't obligate you to pay for damage. So if we're paying you for damage and we're considering sound to be considered direct damage, why shouldn't an Ebed go free when you shout near his ear? Amar he says to him, shiny Adam, people are different. Tekivon debardasu i mivis Fascinating response. And that's like this. When the chicken, horse, or donkey made a loud noise in the vase, in the crystal vase, the vase broke. Why? Because of the noise. The vase has no bechira whether or not to get scared or to be impacted by the shrill sound that was made inside of it. It's just a reality. When it comes to a person, you shout by their ear, says the Gemara, a person themselves, even if they become hard of hearing, (coughs) it's their own fright that helped take part in the damage. Their own fright that took part in the damage. The Tanya, like we learned in the Brisa, Hamavir Eschaveri, Hamavis Eschaveri, a person who, who scares his friend. Bezdin can't obligate you, you're obligated in heaven for the damage that you did. But Bezdin cannot force him to pay back. Ketzad, for example. You shout into somebody's ear and they become deaf. Potter. You're not held financially obligated for the for the loss of hearing. However, let's say you grab him by the ear and then um, um, shout it into his ear. So then, Chayev, then you are going to be obligated because then you showed clearly that you're doing this against the will of the guy. The guy had no option over here. See, very often we get rattled and our eardrums get rattled by the unexpected. And something is unexpected. Yeah, somebody can shout very loud in someone else's ear. That person can suffer hearing loss. However, if you were to go to a wedding where they're playing blasting music, which I don't recommend without earplugs anyway, but at least you know what to expect. It says the Gemara, it lessens the hearing loss. Because... You, you kind of have a way to protect yourself over here. And therefore, um, if somebody does it near the ear of a person, the Evid is not going to go free. If it's directly, yes, nearby, he doesn't. 
Somebody stricks his, uh, uh, hits his evid on the eye, the and he starts getting a weaker eyesight. Okay, so now he needs glasses. We'll call it. Al Shina or he punches his uh, evid in the mouth, and his tooth is loose. Doesn't fall out, but it's loose. If at the time of the injury, the Evid could still make use of his tooth or still make use of his eye, he doesn't go free. But if he immediately cannot use it after, being, uh, after this going down, he will go free. It's considered like he was blinded. It was considered like his tooth fell out. If let's say the, the Evid's eye was weak, so, so let's say he had bad eyesight. He was legally blind, we'll call it. But he could still see a little bit. Visima, And now the Eved completely blinds him. His tooth was loose. And now the master, you know, uh, knocks it out. So this could be a trick, by the way, of an Eved who wants to go free. If he has a loose tooth, he could tell his master, yeah, you mind pulling this out for me? And as soon as the master pulls it out, you know, he's like, ah, I'm out of here, right? If at the time that they were loose, the Eved could still use it, and now the servant, the, the master is knocking it out or blinding him, then Eved and Acheres will go free, it's sensible. The Imlav, if he didn't have function of his tooth or eye, in Eved and Acheres, then it does not go free. Says Gemara Betricha, and this Brisa has to list both the case of the eye and the case of the tooth. You'd think that they're similar, right? Similar. Why do I got to list the eye and the tooth? If we'd only listed the the beginning, I would say Mishum Nahira See, in the original case, the where we said the Eved was had completely good sight, yeah, and now the 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 master weakened him. So I'll say there he had completely good he had good sight. And now he has worse sight. But in the other brisa, which he started out with weak uh, sight. He never, he couldn't see so well in the beginning anyway. I would say maybe he doesn't go free. In other words, I would think the only way you never goes free is if he had total functionality and completely loses the functionality. But if I'm starting to lose percentages of functionality, maybe you don't go free. And therefore the Kiddush of the second price is that you go free even there. And if we were only given the case where he already had pre-existing issues, I would say Mishomidasamilagamri. There, the only time it ever goes free is when you completely blinded the guy. But in the first case, what happened was he started out with excellent eyesight and now you worsened his eyesight, but you didn't totally blind him. I would say you don't go free. Therefore, Tricha, I need to mention that case as well. That's why the rabbis, let's say the master was a doctor or a dentist. And the Evid says, Please heal my eye. And during, we'll call it the surgery, the master blinds him. The servant says, Do you mind yeah, cleaning my teeth? And as the master dealing with the tooth, the tooth falls out. The servant could laugh at his master and say the last letter of the Aleph base is tough. I'm out of here. What does it mean that it's destroyed? What does that mean? The only time it ever goes out is if the master hit him. But 
If the master's intention is to heal, he doesn't go free. It's only when it's done in an action of damage is causing the, last, the loss of eyesight or the loss of tooth. But, says Rav Shem if it's not done to, to harm him, the Evid will not go free. He cannot laugh at the master. Says the Even if his tooth falls out while his master, who's a dentist, is cleaning it. He cannot leave, says Rav Shem Amliel. The mayor said he could. Tanakama said he could. Says the Gemara, now here's the problem. It does say in the Pasuk, Veshichasa. Okay? Veshichasa means to destroy it. Says Gemara, Rabbanu, hai Veshichasa me'avdile. The Rabbanu say that the master, the servant can laugh at the master and just go out. What about, the, the, it seems to imply that you have intent to destroy. So why is he going out? So Gemara says, no, no, no. He needs Veshichasa for the following b'risa. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says, Haresha haishu yodai l'me'eshev chasay. Let's say you have a doctor, you have a master who is an obstetrician, yeah, an OBGYN. So he's got a servant and she's delivering a baby. She, he has a shifcha kananis, delivering a baby. So he sticks his hand in to help the child come out. And as he's sticking his hand in to help the labor, he pokes the baby in the eye, and the baby loses vision in an eye. Putter. Putter means this baby is no is, is still an evid. The An evid only goes free when the master intends to hurt. That's what it means. Says the Gemara. What about he learns it out from both the Kodesh and Veshiches and said it has an extra hey. He learns out both halachas. The Idach, what about the Harabonon? Shiches, Shichasa, Loi, Darish. They don't say that it's two separate drushes of Shiches and Shichasa. Okay. The, let's keep going. Another short halacha. Take us down to the, uh, to the bottom line. Here we go. Last halacha for today. Omar of Shesha, Rav Shesha says, Haresha Haisa, Enoi, Semuya, Vechitata. If let's say you have an Evid who's already blind, but the master then removes the eyeball from the socket. So he is already blind, and now the master is removing the, uh, removing the eye itself. Every is in Mechiris. And the Ebed still goes free. My time, why? Mechusar Everhu. Because he's considered lacking a limb. And we said, any tip of limb that they take off, he go, he's going to go free from. So interesting, you're ready for this. He's not going free because of Shein Va'ayin, he's going free because of the Drusha, right? Because right? the expansion. The Tanatuna. And another Tana taught us, Tomos Vezachros Kibehema, when it comes to completion, being a Tam, having, uh, being perfect, Vezachros and being a uh, uh, male applies to an animal, Vein Tamos Vezachros Baifis. The laws of being perfect and being a male do not apply to birds. Now, what are we talking about up here? This is shifting over for a moment into the laws of Carbonus. When you're offering an animal, so the animal needs to be a male, carbon, when a carbon needs to be a male, a male, and has to be free of blemishes. By a bird, it does not need that. Okay? So Yochel, I might think, What if the bird lost its wing? Or its eye fell out of its socket? That There's no issue. That the carbonus could be brought from eye, which means 
You could take a bird that has a mum, has a blemish. You can't take a bird that's completely missing a limb. Okay. Hence, same halacha applies to an eved. If a master removes the eye of an eved, even when the eved was already blind, the eved goes free. Period. We'll hold it here. Bezim will pick up with Amr of Chia, Barashi Amarav tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Wonderful.